XV Planus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. In this space, between worlds, nothing is as it seems. When walking a line that grants you the opportunity to see things that others don't, some may build up a story in their heads that allow them some level of normalcy in the hopes that they can make sense of it all. This is a psychological game that we all play on ourselves in some sort of capacity. However, in the culture of paranormal investigation, doing this could result in the feeding of a false narrative, one that is disrespectful and a dishonor to the spirits one could encounter. This can have a ripple effect that could build in intensity over time. If more and more people continue to feed the narrative, it may create something similar to an egregore, or it may give energy to something that we don't fully understand and probably shouldn't be feeding. As with all of our investigations, we try not to ride on the stories of others, even if those same stories might have been the inspiration for us to visit the locations that we do. Join us tonight as we dig a little deeper into Waverly Hills and those who still remain. Welcome to XV Planets. Greetings, friends, fiends, and lovers of strange and wondrous things. Welcome back to XV Planus. Transmitting from the Black Lodge, as always, I am your host, Flood, and as always, I am very happy to be back here to dive further into the weird with you. Last episode, we walked you through a basic rundown of the history of Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Before we get to sharing our own investigation of this incredibly active location, we're going to take tonight to look a little further between the walls and deeper into the hallways to discuss some of the notable people who might still inhabit it, and potentially put some false narratives to rest. We're going to dive back into that here in just a moment, but first, a couple items of weird science, as is now tradition. Last month, we did an episode on the Mandela Effect. Now, maybe this is just a coincidence, or maybe this is the collective unconsciousness at work, but it turns out that while we were doing our own research for that episode, a team of psychologists from the University of Chicago, intrigued by the idea of the effect, decided to put the theory to some actual scientific rigor. As well as testing whether or not there really was an effect, by the way, there is, they aimed to discover why visual Mandela effects or VMEs occurred. The results were sort of maddening. I just tracked down the link to the pre-print PDF ahead of its publication, and I have shared a link for that document in the show notes. While I don't necessarily agree with all of their findings, it is an interesting read, and whenever we return to our sub-series on alternate realities, we will discuss it at length. Either way, the interest from the scientific community makes the subject all the more relevant. Next up, a quick James Webb Space Telescope update. The technological wonder was unfortunately damaged earlier this week after getting pummeled by multiple micrometeors. Happily, in this case, the overall effect on Webb was small. That being said, a recent report outlines the investigation and modeling that engineers are undertaking to assess the long-term effects of such debris on Webb. I'll have a link in the show notes for those of you who want to read a little further on that. On a brighter note regarding Webb, much brighter in fact, a new image has been released detailing a phantom galaxy, or so they dub it. The image highlights the dust lanes in the galaxy known as NGC 628, or Messiah 74, dubbed the perfect spiral by some astronomers because the galaxy is so symmetrical, the phantom galaxy is scientifically interesting because of the intermediate mass black hole scientists believe is embedded in its heart. 
The galaxy has been imaged professionally several times before, including space observatories such as the Hubble Space Telescope and the Wide Field Infrared Survey Explorer, or WISE. What makes the web imagery stand apart from these past efforts is the mid-infrared range that highlights the cosmic dust. In a truly jaw-dropping image that I simply don't have the words to describe, if you've ever seen the film Contact with Jodie Foster, I'd say that the image is similar to the cosmic wormhole network she traveled through, and keeping in tune with that reference, in order to describe it, they should have sent a poet. Links for the image will also be in the show notes. This last little nugget comes from our friends at theblackvault.com. For those of you unfamiliar, The Black Vault and its mastermind, John Greenwald, has been pursuing the release of U.S. government documents on UFOs and UAPs for decades. And if you remember the massive data dumps over the last few years, such as the CIA's files, the FBI's files, and more recently, the much more expanded version of the Senate hearing of the UAP phenomenon, that was all Greenwald. A lot of that access comes courtesy of John and his extensive experience of using the Freedom of Information Act to get all of this data released, and just this week he managed to get another batch of weirdness released to the public. These latest releases include a string of documents detailing FAA reports of near misses with UAPs, as well as information on NASA's own research on the subject and the search for extraterrestrial life. While neither of these releases have that big whopper about ETs we keep hoping for, it is nonetheless exciting that the conversation is being had, had more often, and in greater frequency. Again, links for those will be in the show notes, as well as the previous Black Vault data dumps. Now, back to the subject at hand, Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Last week, we offered a brief glimpse into the long, rich history of Waverly Hills and its evolution throughout the years from a tuberculosis treatment center to a geriatric center, through a few failed attempts of repurposing the property, to its current status as a historical site under restoration and one of the most popular locations in the United States for paranormal investigations. Now that we have the main points regarding its history, we get to move forward into why we picked this location to investigate. Waverly Hills has been touted by many as being a very active hotspot for a variety of phenomena. Claims of apparitions resembling patients and doctors have been reported for decades. Tonight, we're going to take a look into some of the inhabitants of Waverly who may potentially still be there, lingering in the shadows. For this, I've brought back Walker and Alejandro, as well as a dear old friend, and now part of the XV Planus research team, Jamie Patterson. So let's get back into it. Alright friends and fiends, at this point I would like to welcome back into the Black Lodge Brother Walker and Brother Alejandro. Gentlemen, how you doing today? Doing alright. And for the first time, I would like to welcome the newest member of the XV Planus research team, a dear old friend of mine who I have known for a quarter of a century. Yes, I said it and I called us out on it. Please welcome Jamie Patterson to the Black Lodge. How are you doing, Jamie? I am good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I really want to say how much we appreciate you diving into this with us. Now, whenever we first went to Waverly and I started talking about this stuff, you and I have known each other for a long time. But whenever this subject came around, you reached out to me and expressed your interest, and you ended up going on this whole other rabbit hole uh, doing all sorts of research uh, for us, which I cannot thank you enough for. And the the purpose of that was to kind of uncover some of the uh, 
misinformation, I guess you would say, about uh, some of the stories that we hear about Waverly Hills. But before we start, you know, barreling into the stories of ghosts, uh, would you give my listeners just a little bit of background on who you are? Sure. Well, I am Jamie. I was born and raised in Mississippi, where I currently still am. I am the publisher of a weekly newspaper here. I um, And actually, as far as what I really dig about this whole experience was that I was able to utilize investigative skills, and that's a big chunk of what I do as a journalist. In fact, I was the first female journalist in the state press history to win the Bill Minor Investigative Journalism Award. Yay for me. And, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and not only being the first female, I am the longest holding holder of the award. I've won it more times than anyone going on my fourth and hopefully fifth next year i'm very competitive so hopefully i won't have to <laughs> take anybody out to to get it again but <laughs> sounds but like, like they should have started giving it to women sooner no kidding, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> but um, i'll double double down on that she's also a diehard fan of gonzo journalism give it up for hunter s yes, thompson yes i bought the book seen the movies got the tattoo literally so yeah <laughs> 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 The Gonzo yeah. tattoo is still on my list for sure. Yes, I still have it. It's looking a little faded, but you know, you have priorities, you have budget. <laughs> <laughs> but that um, we can totally understand. Yeah, get it. But um, newspaper business is what I do. The there's an old saying that that once the ink gets on your hands, you can't wipe it off. And I'm very much that case. I love the business. There's challenges, but um. Not to sound arrogant, but I'm good at what I do, and I, I enjoy coming to work every day. So that's always still a plus. But other than that, um, I'm a wife a, and a mother to three children. Um, growing up as a kid, I was kind of that quirky, odd kid. I um, loved things that made me question and things that made me search for answers beyond uh, I was that kid that watched the Universal Monsters and Hitchcock and explored abandoned properties and and still made it home in time for dinner. But that's what got me interested in the Waverly experience was I was in college. I was probably about 22, and I decided that I wanted to start exploring abandoned buildings. And I started looking at sites online about what were the most intriguing kind of forgotten structures along the east coast um and then i stumbled across waverly at the time it was still abandoned it had not been restored and it was basically a place for vagrants vandalizers it was just open to the elements and open to people and i made a goal that i wanted to try to get there and photograph it well, I did not get there, needless to say. When you're a college kid, about the distance I could go was maybe three hours before I was broke. So a, a nine-hour trip was out of the question. And so I just went on through life, uh, working, raising my family. And I stumbled across John, oh gosh, I don't know, probably a while back on Facebook. And we've kept up with each other. And then when I saw that you were going to Waverly, it was almost like revisiting a, an, an undone project that I wanted to be a part of. So 
I instantly reached out to you and said that although I could not go with y'all because we were actually on our way for a family vacation that I wanted to do some research behind the scenes because it was a subject I was really pumped about. And I had the accessibility through the tools I use at work to do that. And that's kind of where we are today. Yeah, well, first and foremost, we're going to fix that whole you not going to Waverly thing sometime in the next couple of years. Because, it, I mean, it, it's obvious at this point, gentlemen, we're going to be going back at least once a year. So um, we're, we're going to find a way to, to say about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to find a way to get you uh, on board with the, the team at one point or another as soon as it, the stars align and allow us to. Definitely, um, definitely. But at, actually, that's interesting. I had no idea that your interest in Waverly went back that far. You, you never told me that, actually. Well, I had this weird thing when I was in college that uh, before Urbex was really labeled. And, John, you can attest to this. When we were kids growing up in Natchez, if you were bored, you you looked for abandoned properties and and <laughs> snuck into buildings. And it's trespassing, but it's a misdemeanor. It's not a felon, so it's okay. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, yeah. Of course. But no, it, that's, that's, that was definitely uh, – that's growing up in Natchez for you. I mean, we had to find – some way to entertain ourselves and um yeah uh, a lot of random exploration of places that we were probably not supposed to go to such as sneaking into the old courthouse in downtown natchez yes that was fun i remember that <laughs> and i was actually i was trying to make it a goal like i said going back to me being a kid i was always that weird quirky kid that liked suspense and and something that would kind of give you a rush i was always that kid that if a door was closed i needed to see what was behind that door but aside from that i also liked exploring these places because i wanted to find the history of it these places were forgotten they were falling down it was the suspense element of it but i also liked to go back when i got home and and research and find out what the places were and at that particular time in college, I was really obsessed with going to um, former mental asylums. And I Googled it at, in my college dorm, found a, an abundance of places that were kind of left in ruins. And I came across Waverly and only then did I discover that, OK, well, this wasn't a mental institute per se. This was a TB clinic. And so I was like, well, that's different. But what got to me was when I instantly clicked on the picture, just the massive size of this building, it mm. was overwhelming. And, and that intrigued me so much to try to, to get there. But it also made me try to learn a little more about the place, thus sparking the, the research bug, so to speak. It is freaking intimidating. I, I will say that that place is so freaking huge, uh, which is which is why whenever we go back next time, we're going to do a two night stint because it pretty like I mean, we only had access to the place for around eight hours and it took maybe eight hours for me to even get the lay of the land and understand how that place worked. <laughs> we still don't really know everything about it. Yeah, I would say. especially <laughs> no, it's... the last episode, we were confused on uh, which floor was which for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, I flip a coin, man. I can't even tell you where we were half of the time. <laughs> um, but what's funny is, like, after finding out the way that they do renovations there, um, it's probably going to be completely different whenever we go back. 
And I love that whole fact that they have fake walls mm. that they they use to like block off the areas that they're doing renovations on. It's so Scooby-Doo, it's hilarious. <laughs> so the purpose of uh, this particular conversation, uh, Friends and Fiends, is to discuss some of the more commonly referenced ghosts or spirits that uh, apparently roam the halls of Waverly Hills. Now, uh, Jamie and I were talking about this for a while, and she ended up doing a, a deep dive and with your access to things that we you know, we normally wouldn't be able to get our fingers on. And for that matter, your skills being an investigative journalist, being able to uncover all sorts of stuff has helped kind of uh, sweep some of the dust off and, and clear out some things that, you know, the last thing that we want to do is feed into a false narrative with this. And there's going to be a lot of them that we're not necessarily going to debunk, but we're going to express that as far as we can tell from our own research and from Jamie's, that there's no data to back some of these things up. Not to say that these spirits aren't actually there, but they might not be necessarily what we think they were or, you know, what we, what they often get labeled as. So, uh, just kind of doing a, a brief overview here. One of the things that we can all kind of agree on is that there are endless numbers of apparitions of what you would refer to as either former patients or former doctors of the place. And most of them usually don't get named, I, I think in part because these are the types of things that they just show up at random. Uh, and there are some more repetitive ones that show up at the same place at the same time, et cetera, et cetera. And we're going to go into that here in a second. But the whole place is just chock full of energy. And I think, gentlemen, both of you will agree with me on that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I I, I think one of the things that's different um, with Waverly uh, that than like the Sally House was it felt like almost everything at the Sally House was very intelligent and Waverly it definitely feels like there's intelligence there, but I feel like um, like the spirits that we were just talking about, the unnamed uh, patients and doctors possibly walking around are most likely residual, which we hadn't really dealt with a ton of. So I think that was really cool to get into like more residual type hauntings and investigate that. That was definitely a new experience for me as well. You're 100% right. Sally House was very directed it, it knew exactly what it was trying to express to us each of us as individuals waverly there is a lot of people on repeat i think is probably the best way to put it now some of the things that i want to touch on here are the ones that we can't back up and and one of the ones that comes to mind is w when we went there our our guide also conveniently named john mentioned the singing sisters had returned and that's something that i had never heard of before and that interested me a lot in particular because we heard whistling mm. and and the occasional tonal humming uh, especially when we were doing our external walk around of the place right isn't that when you yeah you yeah. heard the whistles outside mm -hmm. right because i was doing a very distinctive whistle and i made sure people knew that like mm. which one was mine and I definitely heard, like, I almost want to say answering whistles that were clearly distinct than mine, like just like regular short whistling, or mine that I was doing were, were long and drown out. Did you uh, did you hear some of the 
whistling as well when we were out there at the beginning, Walker? Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely heard them while we were doing the walkthrough. Um, once we, because, you know, when you go through the walkthrough, you come out through the front door with the big gate, says Waverly, we did the picture, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And then they swing you around to the other side, which is where it's big open with the big bat wing. Um, and that's where you're like, oh, wow. Because the, the one front, mm-hmm. the, the building kind of hides behind itself, and you're like, okay, we're at the front. And then you walk around, and you're like, man, this place is huge. Yeah. That's when like the windows are on. You're like kind of inside the windows. You're like inside the bat wing, and you start hearing whistles like from each side. It was like they were like whistling to each other like from the hallways. It's pretty wild how disorientingly large that place is, and I the the fact that it is built not only on top of but into the hill is what really throws me. Because when you look at it from one side, it's like, oh, well, it's like you know. Two stories tall, not that big. Ah, no, that's fine. You go around to that back end, and it's like, what mm-hmm. the hell did we just walk into? Yeah, that's enormous. Now, uh, regarding the Singing Sisters, or uh, some people call them the twins, Jamie, you you were not able to find anything on that, right? I did not. And to be honest, um, other than finding people's accounts of experiencing it or either people coming up with their own theory as to their origin or their story. I, d- I never found anything really concrete. In fact, I never even found a name to go by or a last name. So for that one, I, I, there's, there perhaps is some things out there, but with, with time restraints, it would probably take longer to really uncover it. But off the t- just skimming the top, I found nothing. Right. Yeah. Before we move forward, something that I think that is pretty uh, noteworthy to, to point out is um, during our conversations, Jamie, that we've talked a lot about, you know, the stuff that we can prove, the stuff that we can disprove. And something that we have found is that we or you in particular, you found evidence of a fair amount of cover ups, right? Yes, not so much during the Waverly Hills era, but more so when it transitioned to Woodhaven. Um, right. It, it gets kind of slim pickings at that point. You have to really dig for it. But I'll, I also was able to find, though, that that era was also more known more for this scandal and uh, neglect, abuse. It, it's very almost a darker history. And being in the business that I'm in, those things tend to get covered up very quickly. So it, it, it does pose a problem to find a lot of specific things in that era because it was almost as if the place was on the hill and it was out of sight, out of mind. And if things were going on inside that they didn't want to get out, I mean, they just made sure it didn't get out. So. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, we're, we're going to end up coming back around to that, uh, especially a little bit later in this series. Um, Jamie, you're, Jamie is going to end up joining me for the grand finale of this entire series, and we have quite the story to share with you all. And this will that will definitely illustrate how much gets swept under the rug. And I, I would like to add that in the Waverly Hills era, everything that I found, it seemed to be a pretty solid functioning community. Um, Everything I found, not that there wasn't some negative aspects of it, considering what they were dealing with, but for the most part, everything I found was, I mean, the place had a newspaper, they had um, 
educational opportunities, particularly for the children that were having to live there with their parents because they were employees. Uh, they had a ton of community-minded groups. It seemed to be a, a pretty well-running operation, and there was a ton of information that I found just highlighting the everyday life. Yeah, and that's that's what we found in our own research as well, is that it seemed that, if, you know, for all intents and purposes, in spite of it being a really dark period in most of the patients' lives, and for that matter, for American health in general, the time that it was Waverly Hills, it was actually a very supportive and, uh, you know, they made the best out of the worst possible situation that they could. But as we've discussed, there is an obvious flip of the switch between the time that it was Waverly to when it went to Woodhaven. And I think the vast majority of negative energies that are left over in that place, all of that comes from its time in uh, as, as Woodhaven. Because the, the things that we experience that I think we can tie into its time is Waverly, they're benevolent energies. They are uh, things that like to interact. And I, I will actually take this opportunity to give a prime example of that are the kids. Now, there are spirits of children that seem to be roaming the hallways there. And most of them can be tied back to its time during Waverly. The only one that we can actually pin down a name for is a young boy named Timmy. And although we haven't or at least the three of us have not been able to find any actual patients uh, connected to that. Did did you find anything related to that, Jamie? Well, there was something circulating on the web that did name him, but I'm not sure if it's 100% accurate. Um, a name that got floated out was a Timothy O'Shea. And however, okay. when, I, when I dug around in the patient records spanning through Waverly and Woodhaven, I, I, I did not catch an O'Shea name at all. Um, however, I did look through some records and found that there was a patient in 1935 by the name of Timothy Nolan. But however, looking for the death record to try to determine his age, I was unable to find that. So at that point, it's just a name. Um, right. I thought... Timothy was a common name. I thought I would start looking in the, the registry and there'd be a, a, a several to go by. But oddly enough, there's not very. In fact, that was the only one I uncovered just with a quick glance. And it was from 1935. OK, well, that's also to say, like, we're never truly going to know how many people died at Waverly Hills because the records are just lost. Like, I think they've only uncovered what, like between six to eleven thousand like reported deaths or bodies buried on the property. And um, the reports are up to like 60,000. So you got to think like, these are just the names that we are able to, to piece back and find. I feel like it's, it's a needle in an infinite haystack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, well, at least in theory, you know, like the, the estimated number of deaths during its time at Waverly, I want to say was 50,000. And then there was another 13,000 during its time as uh, Woodhaven. And those deaths seem to be um, far fun. less peaceful. Yes. Yeah. Not fun. Exactly. Well, I mean, because, you know, death is fun, Walker. Usually, right? most of the time. What? <laughs> Jesus I don't know. Christ. Uh, what um, podcast is this? <laughs> <laughs> Wrong show, man. Wrong show. 
So yeah, the uh, the children on um, the fifth floor. Timmy is apparently the name of the boy, uh, or the spirit of the boy that tends to show up a lot. And I think that name comes from repeat investigators that have been there who have uh, like performed spirit box experiments, and Timmy keeps coming up. Now, there also seems to be the spirit of a young girl on the fifth floor, but we haven't been able to pin down a name on that. However, if we're going to be talking about the fifth floor, here comes our first big debunking moment, okay? And we've heard the story, or at least variations of it, that there was uh, the, the there's the spirit of the nurse who apparently either hung herself or was potentially murdered in room 502. We are calling absolute bullshit on this. Hard S. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jamie, you did your own research on this, and you can find nothing to back that story up, right? Well, the name that people kept saying that she went by was Mary Hillenberg. And I went through, and apparently the year was 1928 when this Mary Hillenberg supposedly hung herself or, or for whatever murder, whatever you want to call it, she died in this room. I went back and looked at first the staff records and I found no Hillenberg listed at all. Now, Mary's kind of like the Timmy situation. Mary's a very popular name. I mean, there, there were a, a, a quite a, several lots of Marys, but I didn't really see any during that era, and I did not find a Hillenberg name at all. So then there is the other thing I said, well, maybe I can find a death record or something. And I searched within that 1920s decade as a whole, and the only two nurses that I found death record died from, from TB. No Hillenberg name, and it was nothing sketchy. It was... They just succumbed to what they were being treated, what they were treating. I even right. went further and said, well, I'm just going to search the whole century. You know, I mean, let's <laughs> just let's just do all all the all the different decades. And the only Hillenberg name in that county in, in general were um, a few elderly ladies who passed like in the 1990s era. So it kind of raised a red flag with me that I, I, the Hillenberg name, which has been pressed in everybody's stories, I, I can find no trace of it. Right. Okay. But now what, what's interesting about that is the, the most commonly referenced spirit that goes by the name of Mary that we're aware of is the supposed spirit of a former patient there, um, Mary, who was on the third floor. And this is the one that we have been told by numerous other sources that enjoys flowers. So a lot of people who do their investigations at Waverly often bring flowers and set it in Mary's room, which I want to say was room 318 on the third floor. Um, and this, this I think is a good example of how if you get enough people coming in there who don't take the time to actually dig into this and they just start feeding off of each other's narratives, you are going to start having discrepancies and it has the potential to go wildly off into left field. And that's something that we really want to avoid here because Walker, as I was telling you uh, last night, I, 
I don't think it's healthy because if we're feeding into a false narrative, not only is that uh, discrediting your own work, but that is also doing a great disservice and dishonoring the spirits that are there. Yeah, I mean, like we, like you said, we we talked, and I think uh, the way that our investigation of the Sally House and the way we did Waverly was just we're going to go document our evidence and, and put forth our findings. Um, so obviously, with a place like Waverly, it's 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 worthwhile to do something like this where we're just breaking down everything. Um, but I do think that it, it truly has to go into like your personal experience, and I I don't necessarily, you know, I don't think it. it so hard to even like tell you that a ghost is real, let alone what their name is, <laughs> you know? So it's like, we're fighting just to be like, Hey, this noise we caught is maybe a ghost, you know, like putting a yeah. name on it is, is wild, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, did well, try. <laughs> I did find that the photo that is circulating online, that, that people are claiming that this is the nurse actually, um, I, I found a paper trail to that photo the name written on the back of the photo was Mary Lee. So, but I'm thinking, you know, if was that her first and middle name, you know, cause I was just thinking if, if you're signing the back of a photo for someone, I, I, how often are you going to print your whole name? You know, like I would probably mm. be like, love Jamie, you know, or something, but Lee might be her last name. Oh, Mary Lee. Yeah, (laughs) and I did find a a trail with that particular name that there was a Mary Lee who lived at Waverly, who was actually the daughter of a physician and that for all accounts, she was very well received. She took the time with the patients. She was very caring, very nurturing. Um, She was very well liked. And for all general purpose, she kind of fits this persona just of this just sweet, kind gentle person and unfortunately she also contracted tb being there and i'm not sure if she passed at waverly or if the family left i'm not i i I, it kind of hit a brick wall there but is that the lady on the third floor i don't know but it it does to me just it should be worth worth noting that a mary lee is connected to the daughter of a physician that was very well liked um but I would be curious, and I don't know how to find out, is the family of the employees that kind of had to relocate their lives to be at Waverly. I would be curious as to what floor they were were they residing on. Was it the third floor? I, I don't know. So I'm pretty certain that the families lived off of the main building, right? Because Waverly was a huge complex that had lots of other buildings other than like we investigated because they all, they got torn down. Right. Like I want to say most of them were torn down. Okay. Um, I was just curious about that. I was like, if they live there, I wonder what floor they, you know, were on if at any, but I don't know. Right. Well, that's where the, like the floors that I know of that are like specific were like the fourth floor, they did surgeries on the fourth. Um, like the morgue is that down in the basement. Uh, the children were up on the fifth with the mentally unstable. Um, and well, that was that during was like, its, that's, that was during Woodhaven time, though. Oh, they didn't have like separate unstable yeah. tuberculosis patients up there. N- no, no, the fifth floor. I during the Waverly time, that was. I I want to say that the fifth floor was strictly for the kids. I think that's what I heard as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. I don't like. I don't think uh, separate like eras. mental health issues started really rolling into that property until it became Woodhaven. 
But again, let's 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 keep tabs on this because our documentation of this is going to be ongoing. Just just because we're doing like a five part series on this does not mean we're going to stop investigating it because we're gonna we're gonna keep digging. Yeah, and I was going to say um, the that was the exact same story that I found on Mary Lee. Was uh, I, I didn't have any information on why she was there as a child, but it was that she was there as a child, contracted TB, and then succumbed to TB at Waverly. But you also think maybe if she did leave, that you know Waverly was a working city. Waverly had a newspaper. They had all that stuff, and she lived there. She that was the only thing she knew because she had to be there with um, her father, who was a doctor. So. If you were going to go back to anywhere, you might go back to Waverly and you might be in that building with the patients that you used to take care of and help, you know? Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But so I would definitely... She, like, even if she didn't die there, she might have that tie to Waverly, you know what I mean? To right, come back. right, right. Um, and actually, there's there are some other instances that uh, also illustrate that exact same point, which I'm looking forward to digging into or maybe i'm not because it's kind of disturbing but we'll foreshadow we'll get back to that. yes foreshadowing shadow eyes um but yeah i would if we're actually going to like give a name anywhere i would say that mary on third would probably be this mary lee uh especially if she was as well loved by the patients and staff as uh as everybody says and the way that it interacts with paranormal investigators and the flowers thing. Like, I want to dig into this and see if we can find out exactly what kind of flowers she loves so that we can come out swinging next time with the right bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> Another one that I wanted to touch on, and, and Jamie, you and I talked about this in the very early stages, is one of, and this is, Again, another prime example of how the wrong people saying the wrong thing can feed into a false narrative. There has been this ongoing story about a homeless man who apparently used to live in Waverly Hills. And during the time that it was starting to be renovated and taken care of by the Historical Society, this old man and his dog were hanging out and, and just, you know, they had nowhere else to go. And... The story is that uh, a bunch of unruly kids possibly pushed him down an elevator shaft and, and killed him and his dog. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are again calling out absolute bullshit on that one. In italics. What's that? I said in italics. In italics, yes. Bullshit. Man, I'm going to have a lot of fun beeping this one out. <laughs> After talking with some of the people from the Waverly Hills Historical Society, I was able to actually confirm that this is 100% not true in any way, shape, or form. And if anything, it is going to be a hybridization of two separate stories of cases that happened there. And the first would be a young boy who fell from the watchtower on the fifth floor. So on top of the fifth floor, there is this beautiful uh, ornate clock tower that kind of reigns supreme all the way up top. And a young boy decided to climb up there being adventurous as he, you know, young boys are prone to be ended up falling off and hurting himself. And unfortunately the child was airlifted and, uh, you know, left Waverly Hills. And well, I think at the time it was Woodhaven, but 
was taken off of the property, and that is where that trail ends. We don't know what happened to the kid after that. Now, the other part of that is before the Mattingleys owned the property, back when it was uh, Albert Haskey's property, there was... Christians. (laughs) Oh, wait, okay, quick side note. So, on the previous episode, we all talked about how, during the time that it was owned by Albert Haskey, that the artist was going to build the giant Jesus statue. Praise Jeebus. And yeah, and it was... Screw the Brazilians. Right, yes. It was, it was supposed to be based off of the Christ the Redeemer statue in Brazil, right? So I just want to point out weird synchronicities here. We get done recording that episode, and as I start to move it over into Pro Tools and start doing my whole editing magic thing, I get a text from Walker as Walker and Alejandro are driving back from my apartment 20 minutes after we got done recording that episode. And right in front of him is a car that has a vinyl decal of the Christ the Redeemer statue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a synchronicity right there. It just shows you that Jesus is always watching. <laughs> that makes me very uncomfortable, <laughs> to be honest. Always watching. I eat my I eat a lot of pizza in the nude and I just don't want people to get the wrong He's idea. He's always watching. <laughs> Please stop. <laughs> and anyway, all right. So during the time that it was owned by Halber Haskey, there was a security guard. Uh, who patrolled the property during the evenings, and that security guard had a white German shepherd. Now, the German shepherd, unfortunately, uh, died of natural causes, probably old age, and the the dog is actually buried on property, which I find to be amazing, because people keep talking about this apparition of an old man and a dog that are always seen together. I can't account for the old man because I'm pretty sure that the security guard eventually ended up dying of natural causes, probably well into retirement. However, the fact that the dog shows up, I find to be really interesting because the dog is, as I said, apparently buried on property. But this is where miscommunication and misinformation starts to feed into those false narratives. There was no homeless man who got pushed down an elevator shaft with their dog. That did not happen. That is 100% absolutely false. I have had this verified not only by our own research, but I have had people from the Waverly Hills Historical Society, Vince, thank you very much, to uh, flat out tell us, please don't bring that up because it's just not true. So... We are bringing it up because it is not true, and we would appreciate if other people would stop feeding those false narratives. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the next one up on our docket is the classic man in white, but for me, that actually just feeds back into the endless amount of apparitions of former patients and doctors, and I think Pretty much any time of day, any time of night, you can walk through that place. And, you know, if you end up having some of these experiences that we've had, it's, you know, flip a coin because that hallway that you're walking down is probably populated by more people than you can possibly shake an ectoplasm stick at. (laughs) Well, that's one of the most common, like sightings i would say like i was just looking for research like scrolling through reddit of people that have been there of like 
what should I expect going to Waverly Hills? And they're like, just sit there in the hallway and look down and you'll just see like things jumping through the doors, you know, the whole time. Hmm. Um, That was one of the most common, like peer to peer um, experiences that I saw. It was like that. And the whistling were like, you're almost guaranteed to see that. Yeah. Now we're definitely going to come back and revisit a lot of this stuff because the, the singing sisters and the whistling, I, one, I can't find enough information on this, but I'm not saying it's not there because we all heard the whistles. But I would like to dig into that further and see if we can figure out exactly who it's coming from. Um, it would be really interesting to hear it if, like, once they get all the windows fixed. Because, <laughs> you you know, the way wind travels through buildings and stuff is can definitely throw things around. And the way there was plastic bags and all that, you know, kind of skewed some of our stuff, but... If the whistling still happens when the windows are there, that'll be interesting. Uh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair. But uh, first and foremost, at 10 grand a pop, all of those windows. Yeah. That's not going to happen in our lifetime. That's that's a lot of money. (laughs) But the, the whistling, like I can, I can vouch for it. Like I've heard what whistling of heavy winds through hallways sounds like. We heard melodic whistling and that's what really stands out. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, definitely coming from the lips of a person, and that's that's what we heard. So yeah, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would not compare the whistling noise to natural phenomena at all. Well, we know what's going on, but the people don't yet. You know. Yeah. 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 Mm. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure we're gonna get lots of. Uh, Oh God, I'm sure we'll get lots of feedback on that, but don't you tell me what I heard and saw. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the, uh, the next one that I wanted to touch on is something that we were, we were fed a little bit of information from our guide and he didn't go into great detail, but what he did say I found to be fascinating, and that was there seems to be a new spirit emerging that is showing up, and he goes by Dr. Bob. That one, that one's a little intense. I mean, for multiple reasons. First and foremost, it kind of seems that whoever Dr. Bob is is trying to keep the other spirits of Waverly quiet. And this is something that we've heard from a couple of people, and... Actually, our own experiences there might even feed into that. Now, that being said, Jamie, you did a little bit of research into this, and there was actually some staff uh, uh, that could line up with this. Yeah. Yes. Based on the employee registry, in fact, it was more than one. Um, the name Robert appeared a lot. Uh, now, granted, sometimes it was a, a janitor, orderly kind of position, but there were... I'd probably say at least five names of of Robert that appeared, particularly during that Waverly era. The Woodhaven, it's harder to track down kind of who was working there at the time. So I couldn't really dig into that era. But in Waverly, by multiple accounts, there were, I don't want to say numerous, but there were a handful of Roberts that were employed there. Yeah, we're going to have to dig a little bit further uh, into that. Now, Regarding that, like, Jamie, given your research and the time that you have put into this, uh, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't talked about yet. And before we start diving into the 
anomalies and the oddities of what still remains in those hallways of Waverly Hills, there were a couple of things that you uncovered that I would like to tap into. And one of them, you, you, you found just some really, really intense and creepy and sometimes incredibly sad stories that were related. First and foremost, can, can we talk about the, the murders that you uncovered? Yes. I found a newspaper article that was printed, um, I believe it was in the 50s. I don't have the exact date. In fact, it was the only thing that I found as far as newspaper clippings that wasn't uh, like, yay, butterflies. And, you know, it was it was it, was, <laughs> it took a turn. But apparently there was a trial being covered in the um, Courier Journal. It says the headline grabbed me immediately. It says Waverly Hills orderly acquitted of murder and co-workers death. Apparently there was an employee by the name of John L. Griggs who was 24 years old at the time, that was an employee at Waverly Hills. And he was accused of, quote, kicking and stomping a fellow worker to death. And that fellow worker was a 51-year-old man by the name of Edwin A. Berries. It's B-A-R-E-I-S. I probably butchered his last name. but um, Close enough. Apparently, they were in, I believe, the cafeteria, and the John Lewis Griggs claims that Edwin had, quote, cursed and abused him for nearly an hour, then threatened him with a knife. So these two employees get into a scuffle. Come to find out, Edwin dies of a brain injury. According to the coroner's report, he suffered multiple fractures of the skull, broken ribs, and a ruptured spleen. Um... The killing occurred in the recreation room in the orderlies' quarters on around March 1st. I have to double-check on the year, but I believe it was in the 50s. Um, So still during Waverly time, not Woodhaven, right? Okay. And Griggs, the John Lewis Griggs, apparently had just got out of jail prior to that from the LaGrange Reformatory for, quote, detaining a woman. That's all it says. And that the Edwin fellow that was his worker, apparently that was the basis of his just just total dislike for this John Lewis guy. Apparently he constantly brought up the fact up that he was a former convict. So he heckled him about it, cursed him. And in the newspaper article, Griggs says, quote, I put up with it for about 45 minutes. I told him I didn't want any trouble. I told him that I was trying to be a good person. Griggs said that Edwin was, quote, pretty high from drinking straight alcohol and beer. So that's good to know that they were employees. And they're, you know, according to this guy, he was pretty drunk. Finally, That's John, professionalism for you right I mean, there, I mean, folks. Yeah, you know. Finally. That must be why we fit in so well. It says, finally, Greg said that Edwin pulled a knife and threatened to, quote, cut my guts out. However, when the authorities were called to the scene, the county police testified in court that no knife or any weapon, period, was found near or on the victim's body. So they arrest this um, John Lewis guy. The Edwin guy obviously dies. But judging by the coroner's report, I mean, it just sounds like a, just, a, uh, just a horrible beatdown. 
I mean, he has multiple fractures in his skull. His ribs are broke. He's even got a ruptured spleen. I mean, this this was just a a beat down, if 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 nothing else. That sounds like a prison attack, right there. I mean, yeah. and the guy goes to court, and in fact, he is acquitted of it. Um, with his attorney Foster Stone, he's pictured in the article. He's got a very just solemn look about him, but he rested on that defense that he was threatened by this guy that that he pulled a knife on him he just acted in self-defense my thing and i'm no lawyer but i would like to find the the weapon you know i thought i find it curious that no weapon was found that he was being threatened with and just this just the intense number of injuries this guy had i mean now granted one could say well if you feel like your life's threatened you could for all purposes just go quote psycho you know but it it just to me it just kind of sent bumps on me just kind of reading it it was like oh okay but the guy's acquitted he never comes back to waverly in fact i find no record of him hopefully he stayed out of trouble i guess but i found no record of him but it was kind of creepy to read that that while they were trying to make this place as, as, as comfortable as possible that meanwhile in a recreation room uh, this murder occurs uh, amongst employees i just but that that is a very documented story there's 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 a hundred percent proof to that one so i'd be curious if you could figure out what room was the recreation room which i, I, don't, oh, we'll, I don't know how we will look into that next time we go uh, so I, like as far as the time that it was Waverly Hills, that's one of the only instances of like a, a violent death that you could find, right? That was the only thing I found as far as newspaper clippings go. Um, the database that I searched for, I searched for every keyword. I searched Waverly murder, Waverly death. Wa- I mean, any and all terms you can think of. And other than your your normal, just unfortunate patient passing, that was the only really just grim situation where it was in fact a, a, a very brutal death of a, a violent death, which was murder. Huh? I guess the courts would quote, say it was manslaughter, but it was a death nonetheless, a very violent death. <laughs> so the, uh, the last thing that I wanted to touch on before we started to head off into weirder territory is, uh, you know, uh, again, the, the, Halls and the walls of Waverly Hills are chock full of so many stories, and we've we've already made ongoing jokes about this that we we could actually do just we could probably create an entire podcast solely on the history of and the stories of of Waverly Hills, and we would probably have enough content for a solid fifteen years of broadcasting. <laughs> um, but twist my arm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, man, look, look, honestly, as soon as this one starts making money, I think that's going to happen. Like, I'll, I will just make a side series and we will dive into Waverly Hills because, like I said, man, I am so happy that I no longer live in the Midwest. But <laughs> I am not going to lie. It's kind of tempting to move to Louisville and just get a job at Waverly Hills. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I would, I would totally do it. I totally would. And I would totally, if they ended up doing that bad, crazy idea of turning it into apartments, I would absolutely move in. I would be the first tenant. I'm like, take my money, please. <laughs> now, that being said, I think if you, 
I think if you were to pack that place full of a whole bunch of hipsters, a whole lot of spirits would bail. So let's <laughs> let's not do that. Um, now, before we move on to some of the the stranger things that inhabit the halls, as we said, Waverly is chock full of stories, and Jamie uncovered one that. I don't think is necessarily tied to any spirits within the halls and walls of Waverly, but it's still a really fascinating story. And I, I, man, I honestly, after you told this to me, how somebody has not made a movie out of this yet, I don't know. (laughs) Well, there, um, first and foremost, I got all my information uh, from this uh, with news articles that went across the associated Associated Press. Um, I need to get a definite time frame. I believe it was it was definitely Waverly era, but I think it was again the fifties. You know those nifty fifties stuffs happening in the fifties. You know, but um, there was nifty a patient 50s. at Waverly by the name of John T. Mitchell. In fact, I did uncover that he stayed in room four twenty four. That was his room on the fourth floor. But he had been in and out of Waverly for a while, suffering from from TB. And while he was in there, like so many cases, I'm sure, his family did not come to the to, to Waverly to be with him. They maintained their life still in their home in Louisville. And his absence, I'm sure, distance does the the romance. Like I I can only assume was starting to wear off because. His wife, uh, Lucille Mitchell, uh, filed for divorce. Lucille, such a 50s name. Lucille. She, uh, <laughs> she filed for divorce. And I, in fact, did find the um, public record of the filing of the divorce. The divorce was never granted, but she filed for it. Needless to say, he and her separated. Okay, so at this point, from all I can gather and based on newspaper articles, not to damage the reputation of a deceased woman, but after filing for divorce, Lucille kind of got her second wink. You know, she, she second win, whatever. I always butcher sayings. I don't know if it's second <laughs> win or second, I don't know. But she got, she got her You're groove fine. back. She got her groove back. Let's put it that way. Lu- um, <laughs> Lucy got her groove back. <laughs> yeah. She starts, um, getting out more, socializing, making friends, going to, to little, I don't know, they're not called nightclubs in the 50s, lounges, I guess. Speakeasies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, Alcohol was legal again. Yeah, prohibition. Oh, that's yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So speakeasies. We'll just say yeah. lounge. That sounds. There you go. Yeah, we'll say lounge. But um, <laughs> anyway, the, the point is she's starting to get out and about. And John, I guess in an effort to try to, to reconcile his relationship with his estranged wife, he checks himself out of Waverly. And they still live at the same address. So it leads me to believe that they were separated. They were probably living separate lives, but they were still living in in the same home because the address that he went to matched the one that this unfortunate event we're about to talk about happened. But so for all general purposes, safe to say he was out of Waverly. However, uh, Lucille Mitchell, who was 34, was found dead on an early Saturday morning in an alley near their home, according to Sergeant Henry Raybell of the police homicide squad. 
a Charles Chester, quote, Bill Curington, who was 28, was booked by the Louisville police that very same day and charged with manslaughter in connection to her death. In fact, her, um, the coroner by the name of Roy L. Carter, who performed the postmortem examination, said that the woman's death, quote, was due to a cerebral hemorrhage caused by a blow on the head. So they find John Mitchell's estranged wife in this alley. She's dead. She's, she suffered a blow on the head. And they leave behind seven children. Um, according to the newspaper article, they interviewed John T. Mitchell, who in the article is still labeled as her husband, which led me to believe that they were separated, but they were not technically divorced yet. And John T. Mitchell, quote, told police that he had been a patient at Waverly Hills for the past three years. He said he would like to ask the state to care for their children since he must return to Waverly Hills for further treatment. Um, and going back to the case, the Charles Chester Currington told police investigators that he went to a cafe with Miss Mitchell about 3 a.m. They come home and that he admitted in an argument he slapped her. He said she was drunk and belligerent. He admits he slapped her, but then he left her there because she was like telling him, leave me alone, you know, and he had no idea that that she would die. So that's his story. Um, in fact, he went on to quote in the paper, he, he believed he did not believe that he that she was injured and left her in the alley where. He said she continuously told him to, to leave her alone, and he went on about his business. He claimed that he had only been dating Miss Mitchell for about six months. Uh, Miss Lucille's friend, Elsie Young, who was spending the night at the Mitchell home, had admitted that she and her had went out earlier that evening, that she came home about 2.30 after returning from a party, went to bed. She heard an argument outside. And when she came out, she noticed that her friend was on the ground. It does not state whether she had already passed or not, but she was the one that actually called the, the authorities. Um, anyway, so the guy's wife is, estranged wife is murdered. He actually requests the state to take his children because he could not care for them, because by all accounts, every newspaper article, he's pretty adamant about getting back at Waverly Hills. Um, he returns to Waverly Hills. Um, the, the room number 424, I'm not sure if that was his room before he left that last time or when he got back. I'm not sure. But I found kind of a paper trail of different accounts that say that after he returned, after his wife's murder, he wasn't very receptive um, I don't want to say aggressive, but I mean, you go home to try to make a move with your wife and she ends up getting murdered. You probably That's have, probably going to mess you yeah, up. Yeah, you probably yeah. have a lot on your on your head. So, um, but he did not die at Waverly. In fact, he later left. He got remarried. I found his obituary. He he passed several years later. He had a new wife. I mean, for all practical purposes, he had kind of moved on and. I don't believe he ever returned back to Waverly after that last departure. Um, I, but he, he didn't die from TB, right? Or It, it did was... not say. The obituary that I found, I did not find his death record, but the obituary was just your general, like John Mitchell died July 20th, 20, 2020. You know, it was just a general uh, okay. kind of. Right. Um, 
But having that name made me start trying to dig around online and seeing if I saw anything. And oddly enough, there was a paranormal team that visited there that spoke with Tina, I believe. Is that her name? Yeah, yeah. Tina Mattingly. Um, and Tina describes that near this particular room that a very aggressive feeling comes and uh, she feels just chest tightening. Just there, there's something there very aggressive. She claims that it feels like someone's just screaming in her face. I don't know if she said she ever heard it or if it just felt like there was something near her, very aggressive, very like an imposing hostile. presence. Yeah. yeah. Um, that paranormal team labeled that particular experience as being John Mitchell. Now, I went back and actually mm. found the recording of that research, and nowhere in their evidence is, is the name confirmed. Um, mm. In fact, I mm-hmm. think that really just locality was the only connection. So, and see, yeah, you know, that's yeah. that's the thing, and and this is why I'm so glad that you ended up diving into this with us. Uh, is that again, we're not saying that those energies, those presences, are not there. But if we can't get our ducks in a row, stop feeding the narrative and stop giving them names if it's not the right one. You know? Yeah, I would hate to 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 go and, and experience something and then be like, oh, well, John Mitchell's room, it's documented, it's right here, it's got to be John Mitchell. And he's this aggressive, right. angry spirit, when in fact he was probably just some poor guy that went back to Waverly after losing his kids and his wife and went on with his life, but now he's labeled as a you know, a hostile. So you, you definitely want to get your ducks in a row, otherwise you're tainting someone's name, you know? I mean, Right, yeah. Which, um, you know, again, is kind of our purpose for doing this. And we're going to keep digging because the further we go down this rabbit hole, the more we're going to uncover. And uh, at this point, I kind of consider it to be a little bit of a a personal mission uh, of this podcast to uncover some of this and, and to shed some light on the reality of the situation rather than feeding into what everybody else is saying about it. Right. And the only, really the only thing about that story was I just came across it once again, going through newspaper articles, highlighting the word Waverly, just trying to find any and everything. And that was just another example of something that had kind of a dark background to it, but not necessarily at or because of Waverly. It was just an unfortunate person that had a, a kind of dark story associated with them who ended up returning there. Hmm. Yeah. Now on a, a more humorous note before we dive into this last little segment here. Um, have you guys seen the haunting of Hill house, haunting of Bly Manor, all that stuff. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is a humble request and I'm putting it out there into the ether. Dear Mike Flanagan, you should probably make your next installment. The haunting of Waverly Hills. Just saying. <laughs> it would, oh, man, you could run that series for years um, and, you know, might keep us from going mad. Um, yeah, but what if know. a person were to do that? Can you imagine, like, oh, the, yeah, the absolute freedom. dishonesty that would go through it because that's filmmaking for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can only imagine um, how much it would get butchered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I think that's kind of the gist of, of some of the main points that we wanted to talk about. And there are tons of other spirits there and other anomalies that, that people 
um, have referenced over the course of how, like, however many, it's been almost two decades that it's been open for paranormal investigation. So there's a lot of stories going on within those walls. And we're definitely going to return back to this. And the further we go down this this road, the more we're going to uncover and the more we're going to come back and revisit it to polish things up. Because I'm going to be the first to admit, if we end up uncovering some things and we have to call ourselves out on our own bullshit, we're going to do it. You're going to be the first to hear about it because we want to be honest and upfront about all of this stuff. We want to do the spirits uh, as much honor and honesty as we can. We don't want to uh, feed into false narratives. We don't want to. We don't. We don't want to feed into the lies. Basically. Um, now moving forward, the last little segment here that we're going to dive into is some of the stranger things, no pun intended, uh, that you can find within those walls of Waverly. Netflix does not pay us. No, they don't. Uh, as <laughs> a matter say, of if fact, someone's uh, going to have a Pepsi shot in a second. Does someone have a Pepsi? <laughs> Do we have sponsors that we need to make happy? No, we don't have sponsors at all. <laughs> sorry. I look for any reference to Wayne's world. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're just casting uh, a wide net. I just can't talk about this. It makes my head hurt. Here, try these. <laughs> ah, Newprint. Little. Yellow. Different. Um. <laughs> I'm in Delaware. <laughs> Want to go visit a screen door factory? <laughs> oh, God. That's, that's still one of my favorite 90s uh, movies and probably one of the only good films that the Saturday Night Live troupe has ever pumped out. <laughs> probably the only one anyway um the last thing that i wanted to to touch on before we wrap up this segment and um move into the next couple of episodes which is going to be focused on our personal investigation of it is some of the stranger things but bumps that have uh that are occurring uh, behind those walls and the first one that comes to mind is the concept of shadow entities now, when you hear that, one of the first things that come to mind for most of us, and especially if you have any interest in the paranormal or the supernatural and things like that, as soon as you hear that phrase, you immediately start thinking uh, sleep paralysis demons and things like that. This is very different from that. Or, I mean, you know what? We, we know absolutely nothing. As a whole world, we know absolutely nothing about it. So maybe they are the same thing. But... Something that is often seen at uh, Waverly Hills are shadow people. And they're usually found, you know, wandering the hallways or sometimes they uh, horrifically pour out of the ceiling. Oh, God, man. Darting across the hall. Darting sure. across the hall. Yeah. Yes. Uh, shadow entities, you will likely see a couple of them uh if you go to visit waverly and if you don't count yourself lucky really uh another one of the otter anomalies and walker i'm so glad that you added this to the conversation is doppelgangers now doppelgangers can go in a lot of different ways you can have physical or auditory or uh visual like they're 
hundreds of different ways that you can take that term apart and apply it to some of the things that we experience. And now I'm going to talk about this in greater detail in the next episode, but I had an interaction with an Alejandro doppelganger while I was there, just still messing with my head. Did you? Just I, I don't think I've heard about that. Yeah. How, as soon as we yeah, hang up here, like, I'll, I'll tell you dang. about it. I No, I told you about the, you? the auditory uh, doppelganger that I heard of you, but I actually saw you at one point, and huh. turns out you were on a completely different floor. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to that one. And um, Walker, you had a couple of experiences with that as well, right? Um, not really the doppelganger itself. Um, no? I was looking for it. <laughs> I was one that I was excited to see. Apparently, if uh, you see your own doppelganger, it's almost certain death. So it's fun to test that theory. <laughs> I've heard that before too. That's just that's one of those. those that's like that's the ancient German. Like a doppelganger comes yeah. from like German mm-hmm. like folklore yeah. and like mythology of like the Germanic tribes. So mm-hmm. they said that if you saw an exact copy of yourself, that, that a certain death was around the corner. I think we should move on. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, the the last one that I really want to dive into here is the most famous anomaly that Waverly is known for. And everybody labels this as the creeper. Now, some the crawler. Yeah. <laughs> creepy crawler. The lame no, ones I- call him the crawler. Mm. <laughs> But, but I want to take a moment to kind of scale that back for a minute. Um, and I want to give a huge shout out to Ama, friend of XV Planis and, and frequent collaborator. She made a, a comment the other day on um, one of the social media accounts regarding how the, the creeper phenomenon, this is everywhere. Like if you go to any sanatorium, any nursing home, any place where you know, death is a, a constant, you will find this anomaly there. And the best way to describe it, it is a shadowy entity, not a shadow entity though, a shadowy entity that seems to be drawn or um, feeds off of death. And it's not necessarily a negative or bad thing. It's, I honestly just think it's, it's, <laughs> a natural part of the supernatural world, if that makes any sense. Uh, you will find this anomaly pop up in a variety of places all across the world and for very different reasons. So when people start talking about the creeper at Waverly, I'm not saying that that concept of your average creeper is not there. But what I am going to say is that what we, we had an interaction with quote unquote the creeper at Waverly. But I don't think that what we experienced was the cookie cutter version of this. I think it was truly unique. And I think it is not actually a creeper. I think it is someone. And Jamie and I have gone off onto a really, really wild rabbit hole regarding that subject in particular. And this is how we're going to close out this entire series. We're going to come back to that. Um, here in a few episodes and what we have uncovered and what we're going to share with you is probably going to blow your mind. Well, as you know, 50% of you, it's going to blow your mind. The other 50% are probably going to send me all sorts of angry messages, which 
has been happening a lot lately, so I guess we're doing something right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's pretty much it. Does anybody else have anything they would like to add? I just want to know the second you started talking about the creeper, I got like a headache and my eyes got really warm. Yeah, I had a vice grip on my temples as soon as I brought it up. Yeah, and it's like, remember when we were in the hallway and like my eyes were like, I couldn't focus on stuff? It's like, man, to that. <laughs> Walker, you and I, 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 oh, I, I think you and I are way more in tune with this stuff than we expected ourselves to be when we started this journey, and it sneaks up on us, man. Yeah. So I feel you <laughs> on that. But yeah, any final thoughts regarding this segment before we move on? Um, no? I think we covered it all. Waka waka? <laughs> all right. No, I think we uh, covered <laughs> Jamie, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to share with our audience as far as where people can follow you? And, and uh, is it okay if I share your instagram info because personally i as an urban explorer myself i really love the stuff that you have posted on there sure um because like 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 you've seen that little meme that's like facebook's all you know professional then instagram's all living the good life you know and then there's your tinder <laughs> account you know like i do not have a tinder account but however yeah facebook's it's kind of boring it's mostly what book i'm reading and what my family's doing <laughs> About five months ago, I actually fired up all of my old um, uh, dating app uh, profiles, and all of them say the same thing. All of you terrible conversationalists, I am here to shamelessly promote my podcast. If you like ghosts and UFOs, check out XV Planets. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it's all that's there for. And I'm I log in like once romance. a month. I'm not playing games. <laughs> I am married to the podcast. You're, yeah, mine definitely has plenty of uh, pictures of us doing investigations and stuff on it. Just to open the door. My man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But no, my, uh, my, I think... my Instagram is, um, oh God, let me look it up. Hold on. Instagram is Jamie Yazoo. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, honestly, I'm I am a huge fan of the photography work that you've done on some of the uh, the places that you've gone to explore. And I really, really do hope that sometime in the next year and a half, we're going to be able to get you on uh, an investigation or a few with us. And definitely Waverly. I, I know that you're not going to be able to do the one that we have planned this upcoming March. That being said, though, guys, I want to announce this while we're here that I intend on doing another one in late summer of next year as well. And uh, that one's going to be a little bit more small scale, I think. The uh, the two day one that I have planned for us in March that's going to be that's going to be a whopper uh, because we're going to be spending all of our downtime either at City Hall, hanging out with the Waverly Historical Society, or possibly doing one more extra night and hanging out at the coffee shop that uh, we recorded at because I, I, I just talked want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I just reached out to her this morning and she said yes. So. We're good. Sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We get, so three days of investigation then. That would be cool. Shops at that coffee shop, they gave us so many donuts. Oh, God. <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of free coffee we're going to have from this? Oh, my so, God. So great. First sponsor. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jamie, I'm not sure if you listened to it, but whenever we uh, had our 
our Sally House finale roundup. We recorded it live at a, a coffee shop, and we actually caught an EVP while we were recording our conversation. Really? A mm-hmm. freaking ghost laughed at our joke. It is one of the crowning moments of this podcast for me, yeah. I think. Yeah, in like a directional cool. mic. Mm-hmm. Yes, which yeah. it, like, it's impossible. They would have to have been within three feet of the mic. See, that's what I want to uncover. I want to uncover like a Rodney Dangerfield spirit. I want like a funny, (laughs) I like, you know, I like, I don't want creepy. I don't like, I want a comedian, you know, like. Jeez, even when I'm dead, I get no respect. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) That's what I want. I want a funny, funny experience. Catch us on the USS Carolina. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, honestly, I think that that, uh, I, I think that that investigation in particular is going to be like a completely it's going to flip our experiences on its head. I think this is going to be a very positive experience. I think it's going to be pretty lighthearted, all things considered. And uh, honestly, I'm kind of looking forward to sipping bourbon and smoking Lucky Strikes with a bunch of World War II uh, ghosts. I so hate that I'm not going to be able to go to that with y'all because I'm obsessed with World War II stuff. And I, and, and forgive my ignorance, but I assume that this ship, it was torpedoed uh, in the Pacific Theater, correct? Uh, or... yeah, I believe you're correct, yeah. Man, I, yeah, I think they oh, were wait, no, transporting. No, no. I think they no, were it transporting. Was... Like they were moving from one place to the other. The, most oh, of the okay. battles were in the Pacific. Um, yeah. It was, it, it was the most decorated battleship on the Pacific uh, like front during World War II. And I wish I was near like driving distance because I would entrust you to take with you my most coveted item ever. Um, one Christmas, Jason tells me, what do you want? Jason's my husband, for those who don't know. But he was like, well, what do you want for Christmas, babe? You know, and I was like, give me something. Surprise me. Well, he was like, well, I know Jamie's into World War II stuff. He got me a Japanese flag that was World War II captured during a battle and every of the people in the i don't know i'm not a military buff the platoon the group whatever the group signed it so i have this massive captured japanese flag like american or japanese it's american signed it after they see okay. the flag and it's just the coolest thing not cool that you know what it is but it's just interesting to hold it, you know it's interesting to hold it in your no, hand that's super crazy you know yeah. i would love to send that with y'all to take like on the ship with y'all that would be interesting to see like i don't know I mean, well i mean just i i'll tell you right now that because this place is like literally a stone's throw from us and uh how easy it was to get this lined up um we'll we'll definitely be going back like it's it's close enough and it's easy enough to gain access to and the place is large enough that i think we've established at this point that any place that we go to do investigations every place deserves more than one visit uh because if you go there for the first time you're getting the lay of the land there's a lot for you to wrap your head around you have to kind of get a feel for it so and this is, you know, why we're doing two nights at Waverly on the next one is one is not enough. We just got a feel for the place right before we had to pack it up and leave. So it's um, kind of like people, yeah. you know, it's people. If I, if you come to my house and you're a first time visitor, I'm going to fill you out. The second one, if I like you, I'll like pour martinis, you know, I mean, it's, 
you have to exactly you have to get to get to know you yeah absolutely and that's uh, i think that's going to be very very true for uh battleship north carolina because i I think we're going in there with the right mindset, and I think we're going to get a lot of positive feedback and responses, but it's also going to be essentially a test run. Like, let's get to know each other, and then we'll move forward on that. Maybe there's a relationship that can be had here. Yes, I'm into spectrophilia, but we're not going to go into that right now. (laughs) I think it's going to be fun. And I say fun. Uh, Like, I don't think it's going to be – I could be wrong – but I don't think it's going to be anything like creepy or I think it's going to be interesting and, and a totally different vibe. A completely different experience than what we have experienced at uh, Sally house or Waverly. Yeah. I think, it, I think you're right. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a party. I'm boat. excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Party boat with the ghosts, man. That's the Catalina great. wine mixer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, Jamie, I want to thank you again so much for all of the time you put into research and digging some of this stuff up. We're obviously going to have you back on at least one more time throughout the course of this series for what is expected to be one hell of a finale here. But you also have an open door invite to join us anytime you like, and we appreciate all the work that you put into this, and thank you for your interest and your support. No, I appreciate it. I don't mind it at all. It's a like if it was something that I wasn't interested in, I would be like, God, he's lucky he's an old friend, you know, but <laughs> you know? but in this case, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely interested. So it, it's been fun. It hasn't been work for me at all, but it goes back. Well, to, don't worry. I'm, you know, it goes I'm back, sure I'll screw that up somewhere down the road. Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to what I told you before, though. My main thing going into it was is, is kind of tied into what I do for a living. I want to tell these people stories. And that's totally yeah. even taken the paranormal out of it. I think they deserve to, to have their stories told the right way and not some of the ways it's been twisted over the years. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's been fun. No, no, no. If, if I ever start ghosting, then, you, then you'll know, like, okay, I've wore out my welcome. <laughs> <laughs> ghosting me. Was that, was that pun intended? Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah oh, of course God. it was. I will tell you, John, right, it's good. kind of funny. Like, all the nights that I call you on the phone and, and talk, I don't normally do that. I'm, I'm, I'm like a very just kind of like, all right, well, I got to go. You know, but it's funny because the kids will come in they'll, and they'll ask Jason, like, who's mom talking to? <laughs> He's like one of her ghost friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's a spirited conversation, I'm sure. Ah, uh, that was a good one. A spirited, spirited conversation. Yeah. <laughs> All right, friends and fiends. Well, uh, again, Jamie, thank you so much. Gentlemen, thank you, as always, for joining me. And uh, we will get back to this on the next episode where we're finally going to dig into uh, probably the strangest nine hours of my life. I don't know how you guys feel. But, um, yeah, we're going to... It's up there. It's up there. Fascinating. Yeah. We're going to go deep. Deep into the bowels of Waverly. Take care, y'all. I'd like to thank Walker, Alejandro, and Jamie for joining me on this chapter of the series. You can find links to all of these lovely people's online presences in the show notes. Join us again in two weeks, where we will finally start to discuss our investigation of Waverly Hills. 
This portion of the series will be divided into two episodes, with the first focusing on the core team experience through myself, Walker, and Alejandro, with a couple of guests along the way. The second segment will be testimonies from the rest of the team that joined us. And I have to tell you folks, this next chapter is going to be pretty rough for me to get through, personally. The things I experienced at Waverly challenged my perception and understanding of the worlds both here and the beyond in too many ways to count. However, even though I experienced fear on a whole new level, the research into the phenomenon that followed the events helped me achieve a much deeper understanding of it, and I now have made peace with it. Tune in in two weeks from today to follow us down the rabbit hole. Or, I guess I should say, follow us down the death tunnel. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, everywhere as XVPlanus. And you can follow my personal misadventures and music projects at Folds and Floods on those same platforms. Links for both are in the show notes. If you like what we do here, head on over to iTunes or Spotify to rate and review us. And tell your friends about us. Tell your families about us. Hell, yell at random people at the bus stop about us. You can support us by going to www.patreon.com slash xvplanus and subscribing to gain access to our exclusive content. xvplanus is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. For more great shows like the one you just listened to, go to www.tgmpodcastnetwork.com. This show is produced in Durham, North Carolina and is written, edited, and scored by yours truly. Music from the show can be found on my Bandcamp page for Folds and Floods or anywhere you stream your music. No part of this show or its music may be reproduced without explicit consent from me. Copyright Folds and Floods Productions. Once again, I am your host, Flood, and this has been XV Planets. Thank you for being a part of the journey so far. I'll see you in the between. In Habambratio, in Fluctus, Subvelo. What scares you? Ghosts, aliens, monsters, the occult, conspiracies. Some of you like to be scared, and unearthing paranormalcy is for you. Some of you try everything you can to avoid it. Unearthing paranormalcy is for you. We take the topics that scare some, and we dig in to find the source, then present the history to make the paranormal a little more normal. We also throw in a bit of comedy to shed a light on some of the darkness in the world. So whether you're scared of bumps in the night, what's inside your own mind, or strange lights in the sky... We cover it all. We dig in and present all that we find and try to come up with some logical and not so logical reasons for the high strangeness happenings. Sometimes we are scared of the things we don't understand. And the more we understand, the less we fear. So find us, Unearthing Paranormalcy, on your favorite podcast app. And join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord at UMP Normalcy. And until next time, keep digging.